Good afternoon. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading 2 Thessalonians 2 in the NLT. Hope everybody is having a good day. It's 58 degrees Fahrenheit outside. I don't do Celsius. It's not a real temperature scale. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Your word is just so much fun. There's just nuggets of your word just given to us, Lord, like um, like gold apples in a basket. And we delight in it. We delight in knowing there's a God who's holy, whose default is grace, whose default is mercy. And yet you are holy and every judgment that you do is pure and right and is noble and true. So Lord, help us now, um, infuse us with your Holy Spirit as we read this important chapter that you have given us your words and that which you have given to men. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 2, events prior to the Lord's second coming. So I don't know if I read this somewhere that, you know, all these churches have started up, all these Christian believers, and then, you know, like things things start changing. I'm a, I'm a big believer in thinking for yourself, but of course, human beings tend to overthink and then they tend to skate right off the narrow path. So people are coming along with this altered gospel or whatever saying, hey, things are, um, you know, about the second coming or about the dead not rising or they've already risen. And I guess Paul is writing this to these believers to say, hey, no, I got to set the record straight. So I'm a believer that people should think for themselves. But I guess at the same time, God has given us that freedom, that choice. But it's also where things can go wrong. So if God has given us um, our choice with our will, I think the safest thing to do is just, you know, surrender our will back to him. And then, then we'll always be on the narrow path, even though there's some wiggle room, I would say. Wiggle room, can I say that, for um, some different opinions in the church? Because sometimes the Bible can be interpreted in different ways. And I, I have met people in life, and, you know, when it seems to me that they kind of preach openness, but then it's like if you don't agree with them, then you are not the standard of proper orthodoxy. And I guess I kind of shy away from people like that. But maybe I've been a person like that too. We all have our opinions. And it's really kind of hard when we have to share what we believe uh, at the same time and, and present to be open. But, you know, if, if it's like we're pushing on someone else, sort of our beliefs, then we're taken as sort of dictatorial. It's a fine line, I guess. I guess the Holy Spirit has to show us, you know, and of course, Jesus knew what was truth and what was not. And he still, he still talked to people with, you know, um, ge generosity and decency and respect. Anyways, enough of, my, um, enough of my babbling. Let's read. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. So here's Paul now. He's, I assume it's Paul. He's clarifying this. And this is exactly what happened in, in the church uh, that I came from. This lady says, oh, I have dreams. God is speaking this. God has given me a, a truth. I have to tell you. I must reveal it to you. You must listen to me writing all these books, plagiarizing from other writers. You know, she was well-written and she could write. 
definitely had the ability to write, but trying to use the pride and the power just to like one over, put a one over, one over everybody else. Oh, I'm speaking for God and you better listen to me. That's pride and ego. And yet the same thing has happened over and over and over again. It's old history. It has happened before. It's happened where I came from and it'll probably happen again. Somebody comes along and is charismatic and starts saying things that are just wrong, that are not in the Bible, that are not true. It says the day of the Lord has already begun. It hasn't happened yet. Don't be fooled by what they say, verse 3, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. Is this the Antichrist? So the Antichrist is someone who looks like God, talks like God, quacks like God, smiles like God, is like Jesus, you know, who goes walking around and bamboozles the whole world, but he's actually a narcissist. He's a liar. He's twisting truth, either because he's doing it malevolently, he's either an overt narcissist or a covert narcissist, right? But he's going to bring destruction because most people are going to follow him because he appeals to their senses and to their preconceived ideas of what Jesus or God would do on earth. Gotta be careful here. That's why we're reading this word. That's why we're begging and pleading and reading God's word in the NLT, because we want to be equipped. We want to know enough from God's spirit to be possessed by God's true Holy Spirit that when some evil demonic spirit that lies Okay, that's what the devil is. He's a liar. He's a twister of truth. He's a chameleon. He's a mimic. When he comes along, we will be able to discern counterfeit from real because the devil is a really good counterfeiter. He counterfeits things that look really close to the true original. The devil does not counterfeit $3 bills because there's no such thing as a true $3 bill. Verse 4, he will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship, he will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. How do you know that Jesus is going to rule on earth in Jerusalem or on earth in the future? How do you know this? Because it says that he will rule with a rod of iron, and it says that he will set up his kingdom on earth, but it also says that we will go to meet the Lord and be with him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Not that we will always be floating around in the air, but we will always be with the true God. We'll never be separated from him again. How are we going to know? Right? Because if I were Satan and I had read the whole Bible in every language there is, I would definitely twist the scriptures and I would be able to do this. Is, is the Antichrist the devil in human form? Or is it a human being that's possessed by a demonic spirit of pride? I don't know. Verse 5, don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back? For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For the lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. I think the one holding it back is the Holy Spirit, if you ask me. And nobody did. But I volunteered the answer. <laughs> I think I think it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of Christ holding back um, a, 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 the true Antichrist, the, the ultimate grandiose Antichrist. 
holding it back. So, but it's it's sort of a build up. You know how how crime builds up, evil builds up, ego builds up, entropy builds up. It's building up. The whole world is building up towards something. People look around. Everybody's so tense, and everybody wants somebody to fix it because it's getting to the point where everybody thinks nobody can really fix. There's too many things out of control. We need somebody really, really big to fix. Is it God, or is it somebody pretending to be God or a God? Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. That's what it says in verse eight. Revelation 19 says that the beast is going to be with his armies, and then Jesus comes out of heaven and blasts.、Um, The sinful world with a sword that comes out of his mouth—the word of God. So the thing is that I think that this Second Thessalonians two is the same as Revelation nineteen. In fact, I, I wasn't going to read it, but I think I, I should read it. So let me see. So I'm trying to correlate something that I think should be together, and maybe this is wrong. So、um, this is my opinion then. So, verse eight. We just read this. It says, "The law, the man of lawlessness, will will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming." Revelation nineteen,、um, eighteen. Uh, the flesh of kings. It says here, the flesh of both small and great. Revelation nineteen. Okay, Revelation nineteen, nineteen. Okay. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse, and against his army. So I believe the person sitting on his horse in Revelation 19 is the true Christ, is the true Jesus. And the beast was captured with it, the false prophet who, who in his presence had done the signs by which he deceived these who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These three were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulphur. Verse twenty-one, and the rest were slain by the sword. Is Revelation nineteen verses nineteen to twenty-one? Is that the same thing as Second Thessalonians two, verse eight? I don't know. It sounds like it could be. I could say that it, it might be, but it's just a speculation on my part. It's just a speculation. It's just a hermeneutic. It's just an interpretation. And to me, it's just—it's not salvational. Salvation was clinging to God, our Father, and the Blessed Lord Jesus Christ. Verse nine: This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. So, Paul—is is, Paul—if I interpret this literally—is this a man possessed by a demonic spirit of Satan? Verse ten: He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them, verse eleven. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived, and they will deceive these. They will believe these lies, verse twelve. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. I got out of a church that was preaching that a, a, a woman was speaking for God, that a, that a woman who's now dead in her grave was speaking for. I got out of that. To me, that was like I can't wiggle out of this. This is just wrong. I, I I may not be the sharpest tool in the shed. I'm sorry. I may not be a genius, but I'm I'm part of a church that turns around and condemns other people and other false prophets, and yet we're preaching this lady is speaking for God. This is hypocrisy at its very worst. And not only that, this is endangering my own salvation. 
There's no way that I'm going to endanger my salvation. I don't matter if I was born into it. My salvation is really important to me and it's a gift from God. And God said, my son is the Christ. My son, Jesus the Christ, is your salvation. In him you shall believe and receive and in no other name. There was no way that I was going to be a member of a church that has a fundamental belief that says that this woman is inspired by the Spirit of God and is speaking uh, books and, and words that are comparable to Scripture. That was a no-go, no deal. That was a deal breaker. And I looked around and I'm the only person that felt that way. And I got out. That's just dangerous. Forget the fact that I didn't agree with it. That's just, why are you going to endanger your salvation that's a gift from the Holy God? Why would you do that? You can buy a car, you can buy a house, you can buy something from the store, and it turns out to be absolutely crap. It turns out to be a lemon. It turns out to be something that you can or cannot get a refund for, and you can return it, get your money back, or lose your money, or lose your shirt. But when you lose your salvation, you've lost everything. I was pretty freaked how people could just accept things because they just wanted to hold on to their comfort level. Mind-boggling, mind-numbing, and mind-blowing. Verse 13. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. Jesus Christ gave us the Spirit, where the Spirit is the one, the salvation comes from the Spirit. Jesus the Christ, not Jesus and somebody else, not Jesus and some other woman that's lying and is a narcissist and is dead and is telling people that God is speaking through her and she's seeing the, the fourth commandment glowing in heaven in the ark. Ridiculous lies and demonic pride. Verse 14, he called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you both in person and by letter. Keep a strong grip on Jesus, on the Holy Spirit, on God our Father. Cling to God our Father. Cling to his Bible. Read it every day and pray every day. Pray without ceasing. That's what he wrote in 1 Thessalonians verse 5. Pray without ceasing. Pray like there's no tomorrow because one day there won't be. Verse 16. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, both of whom are alive and in the heavens right now, all other prophets are dead in their graves rotting. God, Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope. Comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. <laughs>